Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? back after the bye week. Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. It's Tuesday. I hope you voted. Uh, but I just wanted to apologize for We weren't able to get you guys a podcast uh, last week at all. We were both on very different parts of uh, Earth, I guess you could say. I was in. I was still in Europe for a couple extra days. Had a little time to myself to enjoy the bye week a little bit. You were in Florida finishing your move to Philly. You had a baby shower. Like We, we had a lot of stuff going on and Obviously, we weren't able to have a podcast about the trade. Trust me, we tried. We 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 kept on like trying to figure out logistics and making it work. It just didn't work out. We'll talk about that trade a little bit more about what it means for the roster. But uh, I think we kind of need, we needed a little time off. I think everybody did. The, the players, I think you could you can kind of tell that they're they're happy they had that week off, and now they're all. Uh, back in the swing for the second half. Yeah, it didn't feel like much of a week off uh, for us, but you know, ex- you know, that it happens. Never is on the Eagles beat though. Yeah, it never is. Um, you know, this team was not content, obviously, with their wide receiver group or their their secondary. They've they've made a handful of moves since the bye week, and I think that speaks to the confidence they have that they can can win this division. And it's been interesting to watch because you see the rumors of the guys they didn't get. But then you look at who they did get, and we'll talk about Golden Tate in depth, but this move was made to get back to the Super Bowl. It wasn't made to just win the division. This was a move that was made. You don't trade a third-round pick for an eight-game rental if you don't think you're going to be able to pay off big time, unless you're the Cowboys. Especially Howie doesn't do that, at least. Right. Yeah, like there are some unless you're the G- Cowboys. There, yeah, there are some bad GMs that rhyme with uh, Shmary Schmones in the, in the league right now who would do stuff. Although, Mark Cooper looked pretty good on uh, Monday night. Sure. still don't trade a first-round pick for that. And they're gonna, they're, sounds like they're going to give him a big old – you have to after you give him a first. They're going to give him a big old extension now, too. So. Yeah, on top of uh, announcing that they're going to extend Dak Prescott. Woo, way to yeah, double Jared down. Jones just doubling down on <laughs> average Dak. Um, <laughs> and the, the clapper is still hanging around. We'll talk. We're going to talk about the Adam East a little bit. We can make fun of the clapper a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Broadway musicals, there's this musical called Sunset Boulevard, and in one song they say, uh, "It's the oldest story in the book. Come see the taker getting took." That's Jerry Jones. That's Jerry Jones. Sorry, I had to if, put in the music. If there's anybody that John Gruden could win a trade against, it's Jerry. Like it was the perfect match for John Gruden. Although it sounds like I forget. What, I heard. I forget what team it was. I saw another team was willing to offer first round pick. I don't think the Titans. I think it was. I don't think a first round pick for Amari Cooper is absolutely where you're at. Yeah, I don't think it's absolutely damning. But now it's a top ten pick, technically. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like if you were the if you were the Titans in a weak division, like I get it. I mean, the NFC East is a weak division, but there are two teams in front of you. The Titans really just have to beat the Texans, and the Texans, on top of that, traded for Demarius Thomas. Thomas, So it was a wide receiver. Would they give up a fourth round pick? Uh, I think they gave up. Uh, two two late round picks, right? Yeah. So I think when you look at this trade deadline, the Eagles might have actually forced the Redskins to make a deal by trading for for Golden Tate. The Redskins last minute made a ha, deal ha, for Hot Clinton Dix, who is a guy who probably will line up against Golden Tate at times when the Redskins and Eagles go up against each other. They're the two top teams in the division. 
the division overall made three trades. I mean, well, technically four if you count the the Snacks Harrison trade to the Lions. I mean, this is this is a moving and shaking division, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch how everything goes, even including the Giants moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think we need to dwell on the this, the actual trade. I, I I think we kind of. I mean, you touched on it as much as we need to. Everybody's already talked about that trade. Uh, ad nauseum so far, but uh, I think we should talk about how Golden Tate's going to fit into this offense, how it impacts the rest of the guys. Um, wh- one thing I thought was interesting, and was a very good point, uh, Dan Orlovsky, uh, yeah, Dan former Orlovsky. Lions quarterback, he's a really good analyst, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I said actually. I mean, probably because... I actually him. reached out to him because I wanted to talk to him yeah. about it and never yeah. got back to me. So he, he made a comment, like, because the, during the line, like Matt Stafford got sacked 10 times, I think, and he pointed out that, like, when Golden Tate... If Golden Tate was there, half, like, half of those would have been completions because that's just he's just like he's just he's an outlet great guy. Safety, safety valve, and as yeah. we've seen this season, like Carson Wentz has been running for his life quite a bit this season. He has Zach Ertz, you know, he has guys like Alshon and Nelson, but I don't know if he has like a receiver. Like you, you can have as much confidence he's going to go and get the ball for Carson if he has to throw it up or if he has to you know throw it in an uncomfortable situation. I think that's probably beyond like all the little things that Golden Tate does, which includes pass blocking and he he gets gets yards after the catch maybe better than anybody. I think that's something that you're going to see the biggest impact like right away probably. Yeah, I mean the, throughout the first eight games, Nelson Aguilar was that outlet guy. But he couldn't make anything happen once you got him the ball. So he'd pick up three yards here, two yards here, five yards there. Golden Tate's much harder to tackle. I mean, Nelson Aguilar has moves like Jagger in in, op- in the open field. Yeah, I said that. Sorry, I'm about to become a dad. I gotta. I'm, I'm gonna leave now. Yeah, um, I finish this. I, I've got to get in the dad jokes, but like Golden Tate is a guy who can catch an underneath route for four yards and then take it for 20. He's a guy that feels like he can score every time the ball's in his hands. Uh, I spoke to Anquan Bolden about him in South Florida. Uh, last week, with him for what, a couple years, right? Uh, for a year in 2016, but you know, towards the end of his career, and he just said, "Golden's the type of guy that can transform the Eagles' defense because it's something that they didn't have. He's a guy that can get yards after the catch. You look at Alshon Jeffrey; he had a couple of yak gains uh, since coming back Yaki from shoulder, yak. shoulder surgery. Uh, Zach Ertz is not a yak guy. No, he he, he, gets, he gets the yards that he's given, right? Yeah. Which is but, fine. But you know what? I would take that. He's probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he gets uh, he's, 10, 12 catches a game. So. Right. You know what's funny is, like, the his worst game of the season was against the Jaguars. And but he, he had made, a touchdown still. Yeah. Right. He had, a, some t- he had a touchdown. In, he had in some, his earlier years, he was, like, just not getting touchdowns. So. Right. And I, I think that was the thing, right? So the first four games, he didn't have any touchdowns. And now he's starting to kind of be that red zone threat, which, in turn, is going to be heightened because Golden Tate is going to be one of those guys that safeties are like, you know what? If he catches this and he he breaks that first tackle, he could be gone. Safeties need to pay extra attention to to where Golden Tate is at all times. That might help the run game a little bit. It also might help the long and passing game because Nelson's now going to be freed up where you can't key in on him. Same with Jordan Matthews. You can't key in on these guys anymore because you can move Golden Tate in the slot. You can move him outside. You can do the same with Nelson Aguilar. Apparently, you can do the same thing with Jordan Matthews. Who knew? Uh, he had a good game against the Jaguars. Yeah, he, he told us after the game in London that he always thought it was pretty dumb that he was typecasted as a slot guy because at Vanderbilt, he literally 
light up everywhere. So he's out to prove that too. I think it's very awkward and weird that they kept six wide receivers when they're only really going to play. I mean, when you look at the the options now, I mean Carter's not going to play. Yeah. Well, he's a punt returner. I'm though. saying he's not going to play on offense. Right. He's not going to play on offense. But Sheldon Gibson's not playing on offense. He's barely ever played on offense. You're now going to probably sacrifice Jordan Matthews' snaps on offense for Golden Tate. And as it is. You want to make sure that Dallas Goddard gets as much playing time as possible, so you're running a lot of 12 personnel. If you're running a lot of 12 personnel, you're you're not having a lot of wide receiver options out there, and Jeffrey's got to play almost every snap. Tate's got to play almost every snap, and Nelson's got to play almost every snap. So those are five guys that are ahead of Jordan Matthews, Sheldon Gibson, and DeAndre Carter on in the lineup. Plus, you're going to run 13 personnel at times with Joshua Perkins. Where are, are, are all? How are you going to use all these six receivers? Jordan Matthews doesn't play special teams. Uh, Sheldon Gibson's been a good gunner on special teams, but you can find another gunner. Um, I will say Dave Fitt made it sound like they will use, they might use Golden Tate a little bit as a punt returner. I think that's a great idea. And with the way they keep saying that when Darren Sproles comes back, which as we've said, I'll be convinced when he actually does, uh, they said he'll have the punt return job. So it sounds like DeAndre Carter is going to be the odd man out at some point. Yeah, and I spoke to him yesterday. He wasn't really like. I mean, he said all the right things, but I think he kind of has back to the practice squad. I mean, right? I mean, they've been fumbling around this practice squad so many times. (laughs) I've created like forty-five articles out of this thing. But um, speaking of the practice squad, we can get back to the offense and the overall stuff in a second. I want to talk about the other moves that they made. So they they brought in um, Cravon LeBlanc. Great name. Yes, uh, former him. FAU UDFA. I got to cover his pro day in 2016. He is Jim Schwartz's type of nickel corner. Like, if you don't like Jalen Mills outside, this is what Jalen Mills would probably be as the nickel corner. Um, he's a shorter guy, scrappy, likes to tackle. Um, he will make plays. He had actually a pretty good game for the Chicago Bears against the Eagles last year in Week 12. He forced that fumble where... Um, Jay Ajayi for, had a fumble, and then Nelson Aguilar recovered it in the end zone for a touchdown. That was Cravon LeBlanc. He also had two really nice pass breakups in that game, so the Eagles clearly like what they saw. He's a massive upgrade over Dexter McDougal, who they put on waivers to, after they claimed him. Um, he might have to start this week at nickel. Right, and I think that that makes sense. I mean, he started 10 games at, uh, for the Bears over the last two years. They had a regime change with Matt Nagy, so he kind of didn't fit that scheme, I guess, and, and was cut. He played three games for the Lions this year, and then they waved him. I would say I wouldn't be very excited about the fact that they have to start this guy. Sure. He, he was, I mean, he was just cut by the Lions, so he's obviously not right. that good. Well, you know, I'm not saying, like, you should be like, oh, my gosh, gee golly, this is great. But keep in mind, too, Dexter McDougal was like a utility special teams player that they threw out there to play nickel corner. This is Craven LeBlanc has played nickel corner in the league consistently for the last two years. I'm not saying this guy is going to be all world, but he's a guy that can at least be replacement level. I also think he fits the way Jim Schwartz likes dudes to be smaller, but physical. Um, He'll get involved in the run game. He'll probably play pretty well on special teams. They'll find a role for him. He's a veteran. Dexter McDougal's a guy that's been around for a while, but he really, they played the same amount of games, only LeBlanc actually had a role. Yeah. So I'm a little less optimistic. Uh, but I will say, it sounds like... If he gets a pick this weekend, you owe me dinner. 
<laughs> I'm not buying you dinner for that. What uh, do you mean? <laughs> you just Team LeBlanc. Uh, he's not going to get a pick anyway. But uh, What if Matt LeBlanc shows up and gets Matt, a pick? <laughs> if Matt LeBlanc shows up, that'd be pretty cool. Okay, cool. But, uh, yeah. but I, w- I mean, Corey Unlin, uh, the, the defensive backs coach, I mean, they, they don't position coaches don't really talk that much about injuries. They kind of deflect. But asked about Jalen Mills and – uh, Sidney Jones. It, it didn't sound exa- they call he called them week to week, which usually is lingo around here. As long as long as they say that, it sounds like that's not the guy's not going to play. So all of a sudden, if you don't have both of those guys, that means you have Razul Douglas starting on the outside with Ronald Darby on the other side. So they're going to be targeting Razul Douglas all day probably. Uh, and then you have what's what's the new guy's name? Uh, that would be Crivon LeBlanc. Crivon LeBlanc. So you only have three cornerbacks. Don't call me Matt. So. I guess once they determine if they're going to be missing one or both of those guys, maybe they call up Devontae Bowsby, who they brought back onto the practice squad. He's got really good size. They they loved him enough in the preseason that he was, like, competing to start at nickel and then apparently wasn't good enough to make the team after that. But uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if they called him up this week. Um, He knows the defense. They still have a lot of banged-up guys just hogging roster spots, so it's kind of – they're still in a weird spot right now because I I don't know if Darren Sproles is going to play. I'm not very confident. And then you have those two guys and, you know, Lane Johnson, Jeff Stoutland – Never thinks his guys are going to miss games, apparently, but he, he talked like Lane Johnson's going to play, so I, I'm not... Wait, really? He he more was like, I don't know about injuries, but if I know Lane Johnson, he'll do everything he can to play on something. Yeah, that that's, sounds that, like Lane. That sounds like... He wouldn't. He like refused to like talk about it as if Lane Johnson wasn't going to play, which he, he was right about Jason Peters a couple weeks ago when we talked to him, but uh, the point being, they don't have many people that they can even get rid of at this point because they have so many banged up players, but uh, I'm a little concerned about the cornerbacks going into this game. Uh, the Cowboys don't have great receivers. They do have Amari Cooper, who is a challenge to defend. And the, Corey Unlin likes he was asked about him, and he just, like, laughed. He's, he, like, really respects Amari Cooper and the way he can line up all over the field, like, all the different things he so can what, do. And, right. So what you do with that is you have Ronald Darby uh, follow, him. follow him. I mean, that's really what you – this is Darnold. That, that's not really Jim Schwartz's M.O., though. Right. But sometimes you have to adapt to your – because you, you don't want – like, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. And I covered Alan Hearns for three years. That man can run routes. He's not fast. He doesn't do anything special, but I he can run. He is in their rotation right now. They don't really. They have so many receivers on the team. Well, yeah, he he just caught a touchdown last. Yes, oh, did he? Yeah. Um, he also had like a like the interception. There's a video out there where uh, Mariota threw the interception in the red zone. Uh, Alan Hearns shook a, a DB so far off of him that he ended up on another planet. Like it was. It was the guy can run routes, and the problem is with Rasul Douglas. It seems like he freelances a lot, and that would be a concern against a crafty veteran like Hearns. Hearns isn't going to get open based on speed. He's not going to do like it'll be an even matchup, but there could be a play where like there's a breakdown in coverage, and that would be the concern. You also have LeBlanc, who's going to go up against Cole Beasley, who's maybe a top three slot receiver in the league. That's a concern. Um, you don't want Malcolm Jenkins on him. You don't. You might may, actually, may, may, maybe you want Avante Maddox on him. Maybe that's actually the I'm way to utilize. If not, the way this these things have been going with this team, like so, what happens if uh, Douglas and or Darby gets hurt? So then you all of a sudden ha- probably have to move Avante Maddox back to corner, and then I'd actually probably move him outside at that point. I mean, it, but I'm saying back, yeah. back to corner, and then I get what are you playing? Trey Sullivan. They, they clearly don't want to play DeAndre Hall ever. So. It's Shaden Sullivan. Yeah, uh, on the active roster too. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you know he's a guy that. I didn't get to watch in the preseason all that much or, or training camp. Him. What did, what did you think of him? He made a few plays. I mean, he played with the third, fourth, fifth string guys, 
but he was making plays in training camp. He's pretty athletic. I think he can. I think they think he can play a little bit of safety and corner, which I think that's exclusively what Jim Schwartz looks for at this point. But yeah, I mean, they, he's been on the roster now for over a week. This will be like his third week if you count the bye week. So I think he probably sees the field quite a bit this week, honestly. Maybe even over the guy they just signed. Well, and and you brought up Busby. Uh, Bowsby. Bowsby, sorry. Uh, you brought up Bowsby. <laughs> Busby. Busby. <laughs> That'd be better. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been here. He was on the practice squad all last year. He's kind of a Trey Sullivan-esque player where he, he knows the playbook. You're not going to worry about him making mental mistakes. It's just, can he play? And I think, excuse me, um, he's got good size. I believe he's six foot one, one seventy-seven um, for the position. It's a situation where, like, you're relying on a lot of these bargain basement corners, and it's they still have Darren Sproles on this raw. I I just don't understand if Darren Sproles doesn't play this week. Like, oh, it's coming. It is coming, dude. Like, I'm so over this because it, it I, I, it, from a, not from, from, from a writer's standpoint, it's very hard to understand and really explain why this guy is not on IR. There's only so many different ways we can talk about it. Right. <laughs> and so, like, that's the frustration for me as a writer. As a, I would imagine fans would be frustrated. I mean, based on the way people respond to any time I tweet out quotes or info about Sproles, it's like, why is he still here? Is that almost universal right they're kind of they're kind of <laughs> this is kind of dampening everybody, his, it's funny because everybody everybody like you kind of everybody qualifies like i love darren sproles he's probably but, a Hall of famer blah 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 but like what are they doing <laughs> right i think it's kind of dampening his legacy here a little bit i mean which is a shame because really when you look at the last four or the first three years of his tenure he was incredible here i mean especially for his age and as, sorry at as people have pointed out I think he has like 40 yards combined since in the last two years, and he's played less than four games. If you count like when he got hurt in that game last year, he played like two and a half games, played one game this year, and he wasn't even really able to be effective by the end of the game. So I, they talk, maybe he's just your punt return when he comes back, but what you've been waiting this long for a guy who's only can play punt returner for you? Well, and, and I think what's interesting too is, he, he, let me, this is, this is not a report. This is just me just, Jumping to conclusions, this is my theory. They wanted to keep him off IR to return because they definitely wanted Mike Wallace and one of the two guys back. Rogers or... Uh, Rogers or, or Matt Collins. And then they traded for Golden Tate. And so now they don't need probably... It complicates things a little it bit. It complicates yeah. stuff. So, like, I wrote an article about it, but, like, now... If you put him on IR, he's done for the year, and you've wasted a spot for eight weeks. It doesn't look. I think that at this point, they're just like we just kind of need a salvage. Right. So that's like I think like he doesn't want to go out like that. And I mean, I see him around. He's he's all smiles. I saw him talking to Jason Peters yesterday around the facility. They they all seem wonderful. You see him hey, around. We're both past our prime. What's that like? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. That, oh that, that, wow. That, 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 that was a thinker. You you were a little quick for me. Um, is that too harsh? <laughs> they were talking about like having an Uber, Jason Peters. <laughs> an Uber X. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. But like you see Darren walking around. He's been around. I haven't seen Matt Collins really yeah, at all. all. At all. So that's. But I see Richard Rogers like every he's, day. He's everywhere. Yeah. So I haven't seen Mike Wall- Mike Wallace. Isn't like a boot and stuff. So it makes sense. I saw him yesterday. Oh, he was in the locker room yesterday. He he grabbed something and then he walked out. So he's been around. He's a guy Matt, that they. Matt sh- Collins, by the way, and, and Richard Rogers. They're both eligible to return this week. By the way, correct. Which I mention. Of the 
of the group, it, here, let's make our guesses. So Mike Wallace, I think we both agree, is the guy. I think Richard Rodgers is the other dude. Yeah. If, if they do bring somebody back. Uh-huh. Now, that, that said, I don't think Joshua Perkins would be cut. I don't, like, I don't think that yeah. it's necessary to cut him. I don't know if they need him anymore, though. They seem to really like him. I mean, yeah, but I think he's does he? Have, I think he has practice squad eligibilities. Eh, does he? I'm not positive. Yeah, does I'm he not sure. A little with the Falcons, so I'm not sure. I can tell I you, really Dexter know, McDougal does. I don't not. really know the practice squad eligibility rules. It's pretty well, confusing stuff. But uh, but yeah, I think and I guess we'll we probably wait a little too long to talk about this because it's pretty significant. But Tim Jernigan uh, mm-hmm. started practicing this week. He's another guy who's on the non-football injury list. Different designation, but it's the same thing essentially. Uh, since he's got on the practice field on Monday. They have to decide if they want to activate him within three weeks. They can do the same thing with Mac Hollins and Richard Rodgers. We haven't heard anything about that. It, it's kind of if, – if they don't practice either of those guys this week or next week, then you kind of wonder if they're, they're just not going to play them this year probably. Yeah, I mean, well – Because you, you have three weeks to decide at that point. By week, what, week uh, 12, if, the, if these guys aren't here, then I don't know what the point is at that. Because what, what's Richard Rodgers going to give you for three weeks? Well, I think Richard Rodgers, I've seen him move around fine. I mean, I don't claim to know, be a knee surgeon or anything like that. But you like, You don't claim to be that, really? No, I, I don't. I thought that no, was in right. your Twitter yeah, bio. Well, <laughs> what can you do? Um, I think I have a terrible knee quote and, and something else in my byline. <laughs> also, I'm like the co-host of this show. Uh, are? When you let me talk. Uh, there you go. That's one for Touché. the deep cuts uh, in, in the comment section. Um, I mean... I don't know what any of these guys really give you, if, if I can yeah. be honest. I mean, Mike Wallace had no catches before he went down. He wasn't really showing much. And Richard Rodgers, I mean, Rich Rodgers in his career hasn't really been that much. He, he's a right. product of Aaron Rodgers, probably. He's, like, built like it, almost built like an offensive lineman, but, like, not. But he's, I, I don't want to say he's soft. I, I would just say blocking's not really his fo- Matt Forte, as it were. <laughs> um, oh, boy. How many it, dad jokes are you going to fire uh, off today? Dude, I'm preparing, man, two months. Uh what was, what was, Mac what was Hollins, the two months about <laughs> Mac Hollins might be like the one guy that kind of gives you a clear cut like vision role and that he can play special teams. He's a pretty decent special teams player. But again, do you take a guy off IR just Sorry to play that. special teams? <laughs> you know, uh, like for me, yeah, yeah. I I really don't like the only guy that I see the upside for is Mike Wallace if he's healthy. And maybe because he has that speed that they don't have. I wonder if they would get rid of Shelton Gibson at that point. Like, uh, you know what? Shelton Gibson's going to outlive us all. His his Eagles tenure. Um, but, and I I think he should stay. I'm a little perplexed as to like what they're going to do with Jordan Matthews once Mike Wallace gets back. You know, they've been keeping six wide receivers for most of the season. To me, that's kind of ridiculous. But they're trying to find roles for every single well, one of them. It's especially ridiculous. I don't know, when, when you have that in addition to Darren Sproles hogging up a roster spot and, like, you don't play Shelton Gibson and DeAndre Carter only is a punt returner. Like, it, and you run like 13 personnel. Weird, it's just, <laughs> like, we've, we've criticized, like, the roster decisions, but it, it's strange, especially now that they have Golden Tate that they decided to release a defensive tackle instead of one of the oh, receivers. Oh, poor Bruce Hector. Yeah, keeps going back. He looked pretty good when he was playing, too. Yeah, he had that uh, combo second against but, Carolina. I mean, it's, it seems like they're pretty confident in Jernan coming back soon. I would guess... It wouldn't be at least for two weeks. I don't, yeah, I, I would, don't see it. There's no. He hasn't practiced since February. Like, I would. I would think that week twelve would be like the because you get him for that final like push yeah, where yeah. it's and, he, and I as I wrote when the news initially came out, I wouldn't. I would temper expectations. Oh, for uh, sure. He he already was pretty inconsistent. He's a talented player. 
but he hasn't practiced since February. He has a back injury, which is tough for a 300-pound defensive lineman. And as we've seen with Brandon Graham and Chris Wilson, the defensive line coach, talked about this today, it's taken Brandon Graham some time to get it reacclimated because he kind of skipped all of OTA's minicamp. Most of training camp didn't play in the preseason, so it's it's as if the first five weeks were him in the preseason, and then you're going to – you know that's that's you know double for Tim Journey because he this we're halfway through the season and he hasn't done anything besides behind the scenes and uh, it it'll be good for depth purposes that he's there but I wouldn't expect him he'd probably play as much as Trayvon Hester and Hello right Mike. I think he'll rotate and the good news is he's a little bit younger than than Brandon Graham and that's being kind uh, you know he's a guy that I think just from a personality standpoint having him out there's a good a good look uh, Jim Schwartz alluded to that. And I think, too, I don't think you look at what he does during the regular season. I think he's, like, the guy you look towards towards the playoffs. Like, once he gets his footing in, maybe that's what, you know, turns on the switch. They've been a good run defense against or, or without him. They've been no worse than sixth in the league in run defense this season through eight weeks. And, I mean, they just need to force a pa- – they, they have to force opposing pa- uh, quarterbacks to pass the ball. As, as quickly as as they can, or get sacks. The interceptions aren't coming. Like, there's some impressive numbers out there for this defense. Rush defense especially. Right. You know, they're top four in the league right now. Um, Most they, of the production has come from quarterbacks. Right. Four of the eight games, quarterbacks have led the team. They've also never had somebody rush for more than 50 yards against them, other than Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley is the only running back to run over 50 yards, and he did it on one play. Uh, you know, you look at as Chris Wilson said today: "Stop the run, have some fun." <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, that. I hope. I as, hope that's as, like, somebody else pointed out. That needs to go on a T-shirt. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's got to be on a banner or somewhere. Um, on top of that, the Eagles' offense has had 12 turnovers. The Eagles' defense has only allowed 28 points on 12 turnovers. That is pretty significant, especially when you consider where the, some of those turnovers have been. They've only allowed two touchdowns on 12 turnovers. So I think that that's impressive. Field goals, missed extra point, you know, whatever. It all adds up. But the problem is the Eagles have only really forced seven turnovers themselves, and that's that's a problem. You know, you've got to steal possessions in, in this day and age of the NFL and really they haven't done a really good job of producing turnovers except for Avante Maddox who leads the team with two the forced fumble against the Jaguars probably is what won them the game uh before the half and I think you know that's something that needs to change I'm sure the Eagles looked into defensive backs during the trade deadline it just kind of didn't work out I think they're kind of like dealing with the hand that they were dealt back there and giving guys time to produce and develop. Sometimes that can be a good thing. You know, you, you look at some of these teams that have younger players and they can develop into something, especially when you next year you have a bunch of impending free agents and you need guys to step up, and now you've got guys that have had playing time. I think Avante Maddox is going to be huge next year. So, you know, that's another thing with these injuries. While it is a massive negative, there are some positives to take away from it. I think this is a good way to segue into talking about the NFC East a little bit, especially because right now, even though the Eagles are a game behind the Redskins, the way the Redskins lost, who'd they play? They played the Falcons. They got beat pretty bad. They lost two offensive linemen, like Brandon Scherf especially, is a, I think I pronounced the name right. Yeah, he, and, he's a top 
probably top three they lost guard him. I think they already had I think Trent Williams was already banged up and they lost Paul Richardson for the season so with one within one fell swoop they lost their best deep threat to starting offensive line they signed like well four. they lost Sean Laveo too yeah 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 that's the other one and they they signed like four offensive linemen and <laughs> that's not a good sign if you need to do that in the because there's a reason why offensive linemen are free agents halfway through the year yeah, I love Luke Boenko as a person, but he ain't helping you out very yeah. much. And it's funny because before that game, you know, I looked at the remaining schedule for the Redskins, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. I think it's safe to say the Cowboys just aren't as good. I mean, they're still technically right there, but they're just not as good. Uh, but the Redskins have a much easier schedule on paper than the Eagles do the rest of the way. The Eagles have five of their six division games, which you can look at as a positive or as a that's tough because it's, it's just hard to win the NFC East. Uh, so Redskins twice, two of those. They already got one of their Giants games out of the way. Saints on the road, Rams on the road, Texans at home. So Texans look really good. Texans have won five or six games in a row. So that schedule is tough, but the Redskins kind of have a feel of a team that might start reeling a little bit. I mean, I mean, you're relying on them to struggle, but I think we we kind of half jokingly said that the, an eight and eight team might win this division, and I kind of feel that way more than ever now. Um, and I, I think the Eagles have to feel pretty good. I mean, they're hurt, but they're not as hurt as the Redskins, weirdly, which. I mean, you could argue right now in terms of like where the injuries are located, and so, you know the Eagles are going to start getting some guys back. That I think that bye week is going to be huge for a few of those guys. Uh, they, yeah, that's the thing with the Redskins; they had the early, early bye week. Week four bye week has got to be the worst possible timing. Right, yeah. and and honestly, we you typically want to have your bye week week nine, week ten. It obviously it's pretty rare because only like five, four teams on bye weeks uh, at a time, but. Yeah, I think that that worked out. I think it worked out for the Jaguars last year when they had the later buy. It kind of helped them. Having it at the midway point is the most ideal, I think. Right, and I think you've got you've got a, car, a quarterback who's really hot. You might have found a running back at Josh Adams. Carson Wentz so hot right now. Yeah, so hot right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've got uh, Josh Adams, whose swagger's probably not on a hundred million, but it's probably at at least like seventy-five. I'm a big Josh Adams fan. I, I, I am too. I think. I, I think. I hope he gets more time. I don't. I still think they'll go Wendell Smallwood one. Mm-hmm. But I think he should. They should bring him up to number two. I would start Corey Clement. At some point, just to kind of see if maybe he's a guy that has to come. Like, I wonder what's going on with him. He he just hasn't looked that good. Well, recently. I mean, the offensive line hasn't really blocked that well. But yeah, yeah it I didn't agree. didn't seem to matter for the other two guys though. Yeah, well, Wendell hasn't played as well as his numbers indicate. But what I will but, say is, sorry, Martin Frank. Uh, Josh Adams to me is the most physically imposing player of the three. That one, he had some runs against the Jaguars that were extremely impressive. Uh, especially for an upright runner like him. Um, and Mike Groh was kind of pretty heavy with the praise yes, on, on I mean, Monday. I think most the most interesting thing was that he praised him for his pass protection. Right. If, if Adams is getting better, because Small is just a bad in pass protection. Like, that's just the mm-hmm. reality. Clement's probably their best at that. But if Adams can be good at that, then there's no reason to keep him off the field. He, I mean, I, I wrote about how he kind of could be their LeGarrette Blunt yeah, slash J.H.I.E. type. Because he gets like chunk yardage and he gets in the big moments, he gets tough yard. I, I, I just think they should ride ride him as a not a workhorse because they're never going to do that in this offense. But uh, I don't. I'm I'm pretty high on Josh Adams. I sure. am too. But think about if he can develop into somebody big these last eight games and maybe into the playoffs. And then you're looking at it as, well, we have these three guys. Maybe draft I mean, another speed guy or something. Yeah. yeah, maybe we can draft like a like a speedy. Darren Sproles type, and then you have a four-man rotation, and you feel good about it. This is a big 
four-game stretch for Josh Adams, because if he can really take advantage of extra... He only had 18 snaps heading into this Jaguars game. He had 18 snaps in the Jaguars game, too, so he matched that, doubled it. He had like 60-something yards on... 61 yards on nine carries, and then he had a catch for six yards. So, for me... You've seen what Corey Clement can do. He's struggling. You've seen what Wendell Smallwood can do. Okay, but not spectacular. Give Josh Adams the football. I would start him against Dallas. You have nothing to lose. You know what you're getting. I also think, you know, Dallas's defensive front's pretty good. Um, Their defense has been really good this year, actually. Yeah, so I, I, I think there you can do stuff with Josh Adams, and I think he's a better receiver than he's been able to show. And if his pass, like you said, if his pass protection's up, then you feel good about him. If his pass protection is legitimately like good, then he should be their number one running back. I like, mean, he's a, he's their best pure runner right now. This team has done all, historically has done very well with finding undrafted running backs. It's the one running back and guard are like the, the two positions on offense that you can kind of cultivate without having a high draft pedigree. And I think. They've done a good job with with running back and finding these guys. Corey Clement was a huge find last year. They don't win that Super Bowl without him. Uh, I think Adams can develop into something. And, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Because they have been missing that LeGarrette Blunt-style runner. They missed LeGarrette Blunt more than they're missing Jay Ajayi this year. They don't have a single run for more than 22 yards this year from a running back. Well, and didn't Blunt, I think you wrote yeah, that he had four, like like five or six on his own. And that well, but like a 60-yard runner. Like, they just haven't had those – they haven't – they've had some, like, big play, passing plays, but not as many as you want. I think that you watch, like, the Saints or the the Rams, and they just have guys that just, like, they can get the ball and go 60 yards down the field. Or, they'll like, it, I think that's the thing that's – I don't think they're on that level, but the Eagles don't need to be on the level. They just need to get to the playoffs, and then you can worry about beating them on the road. Yeah, and so I think he's a guy. He's also Adams is a guy too that can drain the clock. He's a he's a guy that can get four yards, get four yards, get four yards. So when you're up seventeen to seven or seventeen to three, right. or seventeen to zero, you can drain the clock instead of going three and out. He's a guy that can establish a rule. So, uh, and he's so different from Darren Sproles. He's so different from Corey Clement. He's so different than Wendell well, Smallwood. That's what we've been preaching. All that they just needed a guy who was different than what they had. Right, and I think. They kind of realized that going into this Jag. I said they could run against the Jaguars if they if they established Josh Adams, and that's exactly what they did. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Doug Peterson. Um, you were wrong about Shelton Gibson, though. You you thought that he was I, I thought game. it was well. I said Shelton Gibson or Jordan Matthews, and Jordan Matthews had a good game. Look, when you throw everything out there, sometimes yeah, right. you, get, you can just name you, ten players. You, yeah, say, oh, these guys are. By the way, them. in this upcoming game against Dallas, this person, this person, <laughs> this, um, I do think this will be a good game for Dallas Goddard. By the way. For what it's worth. I, I don't think they have he the safety. They have pretty uh, easy roam down the field with all the dudes that are on that offense. Right. right now. I, well, and I also think Doug Peterson is, it, I don't want to say he's low key petty, but he likes to do things that make you go, hmm. And I think, you know, Dallas's parents grew up Cowboys fans. His name's Dallas. It would not shock me if they did something funny, and, 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 and sometimes he'll do stuff where it's like, huh, man, there's more thought put into this than just the play itself. So maybe they'll spotlight him. I think, I think that first drive, you've got to spotlight Golden Tate quite a bit, kind of the way the Cowboys did with Amari Cooper against the Titans. Got a touchdown the first drive. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think this is a good game for Golden Tate. I think this is a good game for Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz just has good games. Alshon Jeffrey just has good games. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how Nelson and, and Golden Tate 
play together and had the way they use him because according to Howie Roseman, the coaching staff had smiles on their faces and they were kind of giddy talking about how they could use Golden Tate in this offense. So let's see. Let's see if they get creative with it. I also think he'll help on fourth down for what it's worth. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do our full preview pod later in the week. But uh, I will say they better win that game. Like, if they fall to 4-5 and five with a loss at home to the Cowboys, all of a sudden all this optimism goes right out the window. Yeah, this is kind of like a week Like, it's kind of like thing. a – yeah, I mean, we say this every week, but this kind of – like, if the NFC East is bad enough that they could lose and survive in reality. But, like, you're not going to be feeling very good about yourselves if you're losing to the Cowboys at home. Yeah, this on, is – On primetime TV. Like, th- this is a big game for them. Like, let's not understate. Like, the Cowboys might not be good, but it's equally important that the Eagles just don't lose to them. Well, I think – I think when we talked about it earlier that run-stopping uh, prowess that they have is going to be really effective in this because they're going to make Dak one-dimensional. Dak's going to have to be, beat them. If he looks like the Dak from his rookie year or whatever, then it'll be interesting. But he hasn't looked very good this year. So I, I'm I'm pretty confident the Eagles win, and I think they might even win by a decent amount. Yeah, I think it's going to be a route. But, I mean, there's still part of me in the back of my head where the, the Eagles haven't shown really a capability of blowing up teams this year yet. Outside so of the it, Giants, who... <laughs> don't really count as a team. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, the Giants... <laughs> team oh, in quotes. Uh, <laughs> NJ.com. Uh, but, yeah, I just, I just think, I don't know, all, all, all the concern that we had before going into the Jaguars game would return tenfold, especially after a Golden Tate trade if they if they pull a blunder. I mean, the Cowboys tend to come to play against the Eagles. Like, these NFC East games usually aren't blowouts. I know the Giants game was. They're pretty bad, though, so... I do think I do think they're going to have a severe home field advantage here. I I, I think this, this. I'm a little worried about Eagles def- secondary and the injuries and all that stuff. But it's not like the Cowboys have a bunch of receivers outside of. They really have Mark Cooper and like Cole, I guess Cole Beasley, and they don't have any tight ends really. They don't. I mean, yeah. they have them, but they don't have them. You're gonna yeah, you're gonna be able to key in on. on Thank God, Jason guys. Wins not an, I mean, I guess we don't hear it, but my yeah, God, is he a bad announcer. But I I, I I think you're gonna be able to key in on. On, on this offense, I think the defense, the Cowboys defense has played relatively well, so that could be a concern, but you have all the horses to do it. I mean, like, you you should win. You have the roster. They very much should win. I'm, I haven't seen the line, but I think they're favored pretty, I think it's like five or six points or something like that. Well, and they should be. I yeah. mean, this is this is at home. Now, I, I think the Eagles can lose two division games and still still win the division if they can steal one from like the Rams or the I, I I think more and more week 17 game is going to decide. Yeah, that's going to be the East. one. And that's on the road, it's in Washington. It's New Year's Eve. Eagles fans will travel for Eagles that game. Ha- la- Eagles haven't played a game where they're like their playoff lives are on the line in week 17. I don't know how long. So, that'll, yeah. that'll be that'll basically be a playoff game. So, I mean, we're we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I don't know. As we see it right now, it sounds like we're both pretty confident the Eagles can pull out this division. They can they should be able to win this game. But they need to win on Sunday. I mean, they should. If they win on, then if you win on Sunday, you're feeling you're five and four. I mean, we're we're kind of just gonna assume that they're gonna lose to the Saints on the road. If they if they beat them, then all of a sudden we're feeling pretty good about the Eagles as a contender again. But Saints on the road, the Saints are really good. They've the offense is something else, especially if the Eagles secondary is bang up. But that that's, again, that's well, far down the line. And I was I was thinking to myself, would you rather play the Saints this week coming off the bye? Like, because they just had a huge like, emotional yeah, like, victory. Yeah, yeah, the, you the know, come down, yeah. Yeah, the come down. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think the Saints and the Rams are t- a tall tasks. I think they can Especially beat... on the road. I think they can beat Houston. Um, so if you can beat Houston and win... If they, if they can win one of those three tough games, then you... 
And then you win three division games. Yeah, let's see you go three. So you go eight and eight. Yeah, if you go three and two, at least in those divisions. They can go four and one in those division games. Yeah, so let's say, well, okay, but here's the thing. They can, I'm saying. Here's the thing. What if they lose to Dallas and then they win out? And then they win win out. No, win out in the NFC. Oh, so at that point, so they would go to four and five. So they would have. They would have eight wins still, right? Right, and then you beat the Texans. And then if you beat the Texans, then you have... So, I, mean, I think nine and seven... I think, Like I said, they can beat the Cowboys, but I don't think you feel very good about this team if they lose to them. I think at the halfway point, at after the bye week, nine and se- nine is the lucky number, is, is your number. Like, you need... If you get nine... Division, yeah. Yeah, if you win nine games, you're going to win this division, period. Because this is a this is a bad division. Um, and I don't... I, I don't think the Cowboys... Like, if the Cowboys lose to the Eagles, they're done. Like, it's over. Because that's enough separation from the, for the Redskins. And the Redskins the feel like if they lose another one, then all of a sudden this season can kind of get out of hand for them. Yeah, uh, the rails could they come like, off. They kind of felt like a, a fake five and two. It was like the Titans last year when they started well, but nobody thought they were actually. Oh, I good. like that fake five and two. <laughs> now they're a fake I mean, five and three. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a pretty good record. So. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think that's a good point. And on uh, glad we got it. We got back in the mix. Uh, we'll, we'll get you guys another one later in the week, and then our then our usual post game pod. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. And, uh, Talk to you soon. Deuces.